Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gutte of the Catholic Review, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. With us today is Joanna Coglin, Director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Joanna has worked with the Respect Life Office for eight years, and she became director of the office about a year ago. She has five children, ranging in age from age one to nine. So welcome to the show, Johanna. Thank you, Chris. Good morning. So we're chatting before the March for Life in Washington, D.C. on January 19th, but the show won't air until after that. So we won't be able to talk about that experience itself. But with that in mind, how many folks from the Archdiocese of Baltimore do you expect to be participating in the March for Life? We estimate between 1,500 and 2,000 folks from the Archdiocese going, uh, many on parish buses. There are at least 18 parishes that we know of that are sending buses down, plus about six or 700 young people going down from Catholic schools and um, Catholic parishes to the youth rally. So do our schools have the day off so that children, the students can participate? They are not off necessarily across the Archdiocese, but some schools make accommodations and other schools send large delegations down. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now, it looks like the weather is going to be decent this year, but have you participated in the march when the weather has been cold or snowy or both? Uh, Yes, to both. (laughs) (laughs) We we have had some good days, some good years, but there have been some freezing rain years. Those are usually the worst. Yeah. But um, it's a sacrifice, but it's it's still a, a day of joy. And you start from the the National Mall and go toward the Supreme Court, We do. And why is that? So we start at the mall. Well, the young people start far earlier in the morning at the youth rally. Um, But then the the rally for the march itself starts at the the mall and makes its way up to the Supreme Court, um, where there's actually a beautiful demonstration from Silent No More at the steps of the Supreme Court where women share their testimony about how abortion has affected their lives. Um, it's a it's a beautiful public witness. The people in buildings along the march route are looking down at us, and um, it's just a, a nice statement to the to the district and to the nation. What's the impact of that? Do you think? I mean, we've been at this for more than forty years, mm-hmm. and we still don't have the kinds of legislation that we want. What impact is this making? I think it it makes a political statement for sure. Um, but we were on the phone last week with uh, one of the organizers of the march who said it's the largest human rights demonstration in our nation's history consistently across over like you said over 40 years i think there's um, a cultural statement made that there are young people and old people there are newborns and people in wheelchairs at the march just saying we're going to keep marching we're going to keep joining a diverse group of people saying we'll we'll keep at this until the unborn and the elderly are protected are you gratified by the number of young people who are involved in this on a regular basis? I am. Well, the number of young people and the number of older people. I mean, it's really it's really impressive to see when we're out in the cold and thinking, oh, man, this is a little rough on us, to see toddlers and the elderly out mm-hmm. there with us. But the, the number of young people is certainly growing. I, I think the, the face of the march is getting younger every year. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's an important impact there because these are children who have been born in the era after Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. so they could have been aborted very easily, right. and yet they, they weren't. Their parents chose to bring them to, to life and to, to develop them and nurture them along. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that make a difference when you hear 
teenagers, you know, making that kind of statement. Absolutely. I mean, certainly more th- the the better half of the march are people who who were born after Roe, mm-hmm. who kind of knew the culture that they were born into, and some of them don't really realize it yet as they're there with their parents, young children, but certainly the college students and graduate students and young people that are there see the impact that it's had on their generation. And it's been devastating in a lot of different ways to a lot of different communities. Absolutely. And it's and it still is to those, not just the unborn that we're missing, but all those people wounded by abortion, the families and people who have lost siblings or grandchildren. They come to the march and it's a moment for them to see all the people who, who are standing with them, you know, united in their grief, united in their you know, their commitment to making sure this, this um, tragedy ends. Mm-hmm. So, Johanna, you're the director of the Archdiocese and Pro-Life Office. What are your major priorities this year? Um, we follow the pastoral plan for pro-life activities from the bishops, um, which uh, asks us and, and kind of um, invites us to prayer, education, pastoral care, and political action. So we um, always encourage our parishes to be part of things like the March for Life and the Maryland March for Life, which is a, a large group of people that march in Annapolis that begins with prayer, similar to the National March. Um, we also focus a lot on providing parishes with the resources for pastoral care that people in the parishes and their communities need when it comes to post-abortion healing. Um, we're working with the Office of Cemeteries on a miscarriage ministry now for families who have lost children to miscarriage. Um, certainly providing resources for families who are um, aging and as their parents are aging to provide resources for planning for their end, end of their lives. Um, we always work with any school or parish that's looking for education on chastity and um, family life uh, formation for young people. Um, and then just any opportunity for prayer. We work a lot with the 40 Days for Life campaigns. That uh, It's 40 days of prayer and fasting um, in parishes and homes and outside of abortion facilities. Another opportunity for a, a beautiful public witness that says, you know, we're there for the moms and dads and children and, and the workers in those facilities. Speaking of the public witness, I can't even count the number of our parishes as I drive around the archdiocese and I pull up to the parish and I see a sign out in front that says, you know, if if you've had an abortion and you need help, call this number. Uh, And it's just great to see that and and to know that that our parishes are reaching out to make sure that 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 people know that that ministry is available. Do a lot of our parishes participate in that? They do. Um, All of our parishes refer to and support in some way a pregnancy help center. Um, whether it's financial or with uh, material goods uh, for those those moms and dads who um, need support or even just providing that, that resource for moms and dads coming to the parish saying, you know, we, we need help. And I think the support is um, when it comes to abortion and the unborn, it's for moms and dads facing unplanned pregnancy, but then also for those who have experienced abortion saying, if you're grieving, there is hope and healing, there is peace and forgiveness, so please come to the church. Um, so I think it's support both before and after because our parishes and, and the good people in our parishes recognize what abortion has done to, to the culture and, and that a lot of women find themselves afraid and, and faced with a choice that they think they don't really have a choice. And, and the parishes want to reach out with that mercy. That's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. How did you personally get involved in pro-life ministry? Um, did it come at an early age for you? Absolutely. My parents were, I mean, I don't remember a time when I wasn't involved. I grew up in Memphis where my mom was involved with Birthright of Memphis, and we had um, we volunteered at the, the pregnancy center. We had unwed pregnant moms live with us sometimes um, who were just, you know, from out of the country and, and had no place to be or were facing abusive situations. And so it was just kind of part of who we were as a 
Catholic Christian family. Um, you just served those who needed needed help. And um, I was present at the birth of one of the babies who was um, one of the moms who was living in our home invited my mom and I to come with her for the delivery. And I thought, all right, I knew I was involved. That's very now powerful. I'm, it was unbelievable. And now, um, now then I knew that this is what I was going to do as not just part of who I was, but as kind of a professional mm-hmm. um, ambition, I guess, or a professional my, my, part of my career. So I, I thought that would be lobbying. So I started out as a lobbyist for the pro-life movement down in D.C. And um, for, for a, a couple of years while I was in graduate school. And then God led me to the church. And I've been here for nearly 10 years now. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. When you look at, at the kinds of things, and we have just about a half a minute left, but when you look at the kinds of things that you've seen over the years, what brings you the most satisfaction? Um, it's not what I thought would bring me the most satisfaction, but I, I spent several years working directly with Project Rachel mm-hmm. um, and seeing, seeing the look on a mom or a dad's face who comes into a weekend retreat just torn apart and grieving and then having an opportunity for prayer and people serving them and supporting them and then see the look on their face when they leave that weekend, finally being able to accept God's mercy and God's grace and goodness and say, you know, I'm worthy, you know, and I, I can be forgiven and I can forgive myself. That's probably the most gratifying thing that I have seen is just um, kind of giving people the space to find God in the tragedy of abortion. That's a great way to do it. Well, we thank you for being with us today. We've been talking with Johanna Coughlin, Director of the Archdiocese and Respect Life Office. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. St. Paul Church in Ellicott City hosted its annual cold weather shelter outreach to those in need in Howard County January 2nd through the 8th. It was the 13th consecutive year parish volunteers provided shelter, home-cooked meals, laundry, and transportation to men, women, and children experiencing homelessness. The Cold Weather Shelter Program is an initiative of Grassroots Crisis Intervention Center, a nonprofit organization based in Columbia. Grassroots provides 24-hour crisis intervention services, emergency and transitional shelter, and communication education in Howard County. The program spans 19 weeks starting the week of Thanksgiving until the last week of March. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Brother Kevin Strong, a groundbreaking leader at Calvert Hall College High School in Towson and Cardinal Gibbons School in Baltimore, who served as the first president of both all-boys institutions, died January 3rd in New Jersey after years of declining health. His funeral mass was offered at Calvert Hall January 13th. The 85-year-old Western Maryland native had served for more than six decades as a member of the Brothers of the Christian Schools, joining the religious order only five days after he graduated from LaSalle High School in Cumberland in 1949. Leading Calvert Hall from 1990 to 2000, Brother Kevin was known as a prodigious fundraiser with a long-term vision for the school. He oversaw fundraising for $6 million in campus improvements and spearheaded a $3 million capital campaign in 1995. After leaving Calvert Hall in 2000, Brother Kevin was serving as director of his his religious order's aspirancy program in Philadelphia when Cardinal William H. Keeler asked him to return to Baltimore to become Cardinal Gibbons' first president in 2004. 
For more on this story and others, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. The season of sacraments is nearly here. First Holy Communion, Confirmation, and Weddings. Visit the Baltimore Basilica, America's first cathedral, and stop by the gift shop for all of your gift needs. From beautiful frames to crucifixes and crosses, statues and one-of-a-kind rosaries, the Basilica gift shop has it all. Friendly, knowledgeable staff members can help you select the perfect gift. Also available, Baltimore's very own Mouth Party Caramels, locally designed hand-painted signs and jewelry, plus gifts for Easter as well as an extensive line of St. Patrick's Day items sure to bring out the Irish in everyone. Visit the Basilica Gift Shop at 409 Cathedral Street in Baltimore or call 410-727-3565 for hours and directions. Free street parking available directly in front of the Basilica between 9.30 and 4 p.m. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Baltimore is Carol Clues, Executive Director of the Center for Pregnancy Concerns. Welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Center for Pregnancy Concerns just won a big court battle regarding a Baltimore City ordinance that would have required your locations to post signs about the services you don't offer. Now, you never did have to post those signs, but what was that case about, and what was the recent court decision? Well, the case was uh, actually the case has been going or had been going on for just about eight years. It was instituted initially by um, then Archbishop um, Edmund O'Brien um, on behalf of uh, the pregnancy center because one of our pregnancy centers um, was in Baltimore City, and it was all, not only in Baltimore City but in one of the schools that the archdiocese owned. So that's that's initially how it all got started. Um, but eventually it was taken over the the case was taken over by um uh, two wonderful uh, law firms and it has been in litigate we have been in litigation with the Baltimore City Council and the mayor of uh, the then mayor of Baltimore for as i say almost 8 years it you were absolutely right when you when you say it would have required us to put a sign in any any center that we have or any any pregnancy resource center in Baltimore City within Baltimore City limits uh it, our reception areas would have had to have a sign saying listing the services that we do not perform and that when uh initially that sounds kind of innocuous but the truth of the matter is 
it compels thought and it compels speech and it's it is um it can put ideas and notions or ideas into a into a client's head um about something that she may never have it may never have occurred to her before mm-hmm. and um so it became a first amendment issue and we fought it and fought it and uh we finally the fourth circuit uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit decided uh, late in December uh, against the Baltimore City Council and in our favor. And, of course, the interesting thing in that whole case was that the ordinance didn't require abortion clinics to put up signs saying, we don't provide material assistance for pregnant mothers, we don't provide counseling and support. They, they didn't have yeah, to put up signs saying what they, didn't, right. what they didn't offer, and yet you were required to put up signs saying what you didn't offer. Yep, so, we had to say that we, did, we, don't, um, we don't do abortions, and it also required us to say that we don't provide any birth control. Right. Just crazy. So, so now that the court case is over, does that allow you to focus more on your primary mission? Oh, absolutely. And our mission is to protect the, the physical, emotional, and spiritual lives of women and their unborn babies. And uh, yes, now that this is behind us, I think we all we have all breathed a collective sigh of relief. And by the way, kudos to all the attorneys who worked pro bono on our behalf. But at any rate, yes, now we can get get back to the business of uh, saving lives and supporting the mothers who choose to keep their babies. And how, you do that at how many locations, and what kind of services do you offer? Well, we currently have four locations, and uh, some of the services we offer, the locations are in Baltimore City uh, at St. Anne's Church. Um, we have another location in Dundalk at St. Rita's. We have another location in Essex, and we have our fourth location in Arbutus. And uh, we're soon to open a fifth location, which I'll share a little bit about um, in a minute. But uh, just to talk briefly about our services, we have a long list of services, all of which, of course, are completely free. We do um, ultrasounds. Uh, we have a 24-hour helpline. We do pregnancy tests. We have uh, confidential peer counseling. We give out prenatal development information. We talk about the uh, procedures and risks of abortion. We have a wonderful Hannes Cupboard, which is our material assistance department. We offer Earn While You Learn classes in three out of our four centers. Uh, gosh, we wow, we have a huge a... Re- source of referrals that we so we can refer people out when we can't offer to help them in any particular area. We can send them where they need to go. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you're really looking at at the the client's uh, physical, mental, and material needs, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, as I as I said a minute ago, we we are talking about we do when I said we have four centers soon to be five. Um, we were blessed um, by a uh, by two very generous donors who have chosen to remain anonymous. But anyway, um, the building next door to Planned Parenthood on North Howard Street um, went up for sale last year, and um, we were able to purchase it. So that is going to be location number five for the Greater Baltimore Center for Pregnancy Concerns. And we are in the process now of renovating that building, and we hope, with God's help, and I do believe this was all providential, uh, we hope to be um, opening sometime in late 2018. And that location, that proximity right next to Planned Parenthood is a, yes. real, uh, a real help for the, the ministry you're doing. 
Oh yes, I, I think that um, it will. There will be hopefully, prayerfully, there will be many times when a woman who is is headed toward the doors of Planned Parenthood sees that there is a place right next door that offers um, services, including and especially ultrasounds, and ours are absolutely free. And uh, we are hoping and praying that a lot of women will pause and. Um, and reconsider going to Planned Parenthood and perhaps come and visit with us and, and uh, see their baby on that monitor and have some counseling and uh, change their minds. You talk about the ultrasound and the other tests you do. Does it sometimes surprise women when they come to one of your centers and they receive a positive result on a pregnancy test or they see an ultrasound image of their baby? Does it surprise them or do they kind of already suspect that they're pregnant and how does that change their thinking? Once in a while, they're surprised, mm-hmm. uh, and there's, of course, there are women who um, who really um, don't know, uh, haven't been um, educated enough in the area of fetal development to know that that really is a a, a, um, a live in a live baby from the moment of conception, and they are delighted and thrilled and dumbstruck and awestruck at what they see many times. And just to, just to add to that, and I think this this statistic is fairly it's fairly common knowledge. But 85 to 90 percent of the time, if a woman is thinking seriously about abortion, when she sees that precious child on the on the monitor, she changes her mind. And so the service that you're providing really does make a difference in yes in helping women make that make an informed decision. Absolutely, absolutely. And I and I also believe that even we don't even know how many women have decided in the privacy of their own homes and in conversations with their loved ones to go ahead and if they're pregnant to go ahead and have that child because they know that there are pregnancy resource centers out there who will give them what they need, will not charge them, and will walk with them for the at least the first three years of that child's life. That really speaks to something that uh, one of the critics of the, the pro-life movement is that, oh, you only care about the, the children when they're unborn. You don't really care about the mothers, and you don't care about the babies after right. they're born. And, yeah, once Your they work really puts, a lie, puts the lie to that, doesn't it? Yes, and I, that's absolutely true, and it, it really is it's an inaccurate statement. It simply flat out is not true. We are there for these women, and we, we will walk with them for as long as they want us to, and we will provide them, as I said, with what they need. Well, now we're, we're providing clothing up until uh, size 4T. Oh, my so, gosh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we've got just a little bit of time left, and I, I want you to make sure that you let people know um, how to reach your 24-hour helpline and how to find out more about your services on the web and where your location is. Okay, are. terrific. Um, our helpline, which is uh, which operates 24 hours. Um, now, there's not always a live person on that helpline, but I do want to emphasize to anybody who's listening and wants to call that helpline, always, always leave a message, and someone will definitely call you back. So anyway, the number is 410-391-3911. Give that again. And, Four one zero three nine one three nine one one. Great. And we have a help. We have a website which is very informative. People can donate through that website. They can get a, a, a very comprehensive list of services and, and learn a lot of information about us. And that website is www.cpc4help.org. 
That's www.cpc4forhelp.org. That's great. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Carol Clues, Executive Director of the Center for Pregnancy Concerns, about all these important pro-life issues and the work they do to help mothers and their babies. Thanks so much for being with us today, Carol. Thank you. It was my pleasure. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.